Thank God it's free range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now.
101.5 UMFM. This is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Elson. Kicking things off for us tonight, L.A.-based artist Death Hags with the title track to their new EP, Exit to Winter Planet. Despite being based in L.A., seemed to be the perfect choice sonically for today and the terrible wind chill out there. I guess maybe we're all turning into a winter planet. Uh, we got a busy show for you tonight. Uh, we, of course, continue our broadcast of the APTN News series, Our Relatives. Part 4 will be coming up at 7 p.m. Before that, though, Helena DeLand coming to play The Goodwill as part of Winter Eruption 2024 on the 23rd. Uh, I got the chance to talk to her before the winter break about her latest record, Goodnight Summerland. We'll get into that interview in just a moment, but before we do... New remix of Closet Judas's Mail from Maelstrom. Uh, Maelstrom, the, the original EP currently on the charts, but uh, a couple of reworks out there. And uh, I'm going to play you the Cookie Delicious one. This is Closet Judas here on 101.5 UMFM. Yeah. 
right, well, her most recent record is Goodnight Summerland. Coming to play Winterruption to brighten our cold winter months. Helena DeLand coming to Winnipeg, but joins us on the phone in advance. Welcome, Helena. Thank you. So this record, uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of stories kind of behind it, but one of the, the, the title itself, Summerland, is, is where you were born, but a place you really don't have any memory of. Is that correct? It is, yeah. It's where my parents lived when I was born, but um, we moved away from there when I was too young to form any memory. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And the title is an homage to my mother's stories of it. And, um, yeah, a lot of the songs on the album about, are about her passing away and uh, my my processing of that. Yeah, no, I'd read an interview you did with the line of Best Fit where you talked about, you know, this work kind of demystifying grief and I'm wondering if you can talk about like is that was that a conscious process that you were trying to demystify grief or was that something that you were wrestling with and coming out the other side you realized that's what you've done hmm um it yeah that's a really good question it um I think that the way that I approach songwriting is very much like whatever is um maybe emotionally um, in some cases inspiring, in other cases overwhelming is what I'll be writing about. So I didn't know I would write about it without um, really intending to have the songwriting really kind of help my grief process. But I guess like any kind of, um, you know, um, exteriorizing certain feelings and trying to like describe them brings, I think, a lot of peace. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously... A handful of EPs and a, and a full length prior to this, you, you'd obviously written about topics that weren't grief and, and processed emotions. Was it the same mm -hmm. sort of processing and, and 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 writing process, or was there something different to this because of this emotion that is new to you? Hmm. It did feel very different. It did feel like uh, songwriting could bring me something um, way more connected to the feeling than most other ways I had of processing my grief, you know, um, there was something very like, I don't know if cathartic is the right word, but it comes to mind, you know, something where just trying to describe it to myself really helped. So it's like, and it wasn't, the, yeah, the, the most honest, appropriate, like, like explicit kind of nature of your feelings, like to, to tell yourself yeah. this through song. Exactly. Yeah. Very, yeah. Explicit is a good word and, you know, um, kind of situate myself, uh, in my grief process outside of the stages of grief, which are maybe like described more broadly, you know? And, um, yeah. Now that obviously impacts the lyrics, but do you find that it af affects like the song itself, like the, the melodic or, you know, structural element of song? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think, I believe like it, the songs followed kind of a standard um, verse, chorus, verse, chorus structure. Um, the decision to make more of a stripped back final result of each song did come from the subject matter. Um, but the structure itself is, yeah, is similar to what I, I had been already doing. Right, because I think you'd posted around the time you're like, sue me i'm making a folk record <laughs> yeah but you went to the catskills uh with sam evian and like so it sounds like the the raw kind of like 
simple take element of it was was the the decision and and not you know like a lot of ornamentation or or like kind of instrumentation around it Mm -hmm. yeah exactly it felt like it had to be done rather quickly and I just wanted to do it as uh, make it as personal as possible and make the lyrics really kind of be front and forward yeah had there been records you were listening to that were in that vein that suggested that that was the the route you should go or did you just feel intrinsically that this was kind of what you needed to do with these songs? Mm, I'm yeah I'm a big fan of 60s and 70s folk um I really love Joni Mitchell's first albums um Nick Drake and Sybil Byer so I think it, it had always like you know it's always been a big part of what I listen to and and adore um but you know in the last couple of years I have discovered Grouper who's kind of an ambient artist her last album is more um song forward and um her work is often shrouded in distortion or delay and so um there's like a a a, many layers to it sonically but I thought that that kind of just you know circling the music around voice and guitar was a very rewarding thing for the listener and for me at that time the uh, obviously the, the good night part of good night summerland as I understand it was you were reading children's books to your mother as in her, in her mm-hmm. dying days and good night moon was was one of them yeah in terms of the decision to to name this, obviously the Summerland is the homage to where you were born, but didn't you know really have an experience of the Good Night is the Good Night Moon. Mm-hmm. Was that like the obvious title for the record to you, or like did you struggle with kind of what you would name this album? Mm-hmm. I did struggle, but um, yeah, it took many tries. There were many kind of things that I felt excited about at first that kind of fell through. And then when I thought of this one, it did feel very um, appropriate. And it, 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 like, it didn't stop feeling like the title. I thought that it kind of added something to the collection of songs rather than being like, my first album is um, named, titled after the title of one of the songs on it. And I liked the fact that this was to me some kind of like synthesis of um some of the most um charged <laughs> songs on the album now when you say charged what like like emotionally charged yeah does yeah. that does that make it hard for you to perform them um it's interesting i thought it would be i've found it yeah, I found it surprising how detached I feel actually while I'm performing. Um, I think it's it, it's come with practice. I've been playing swimmer for two years now live, and there's this thing that that I kind of this zone I step into where you know the the very like raw emotion is isn't really the you know what what I'm what I'm in while I'm performing it and sometimes I can clearly feel like the audience is more in those zones. And I think I, yeah, it's like some kind of step, taking a step back and and performing it so that the song can kind of um, carry maybe other people's emotions rather than mine. So you're, you're at a remove from the emotion in some sense. 
Yeah, well, I'm performing it definitely. And I do have like, I I can't really be thinking of my mom specifically when I'm singing the songs about her. So I bring other people to mind, um, people whose, you know, friendship I still have, or, you know, something that's like more, um, just less, yeah, less sad to me, um, which is something I have to do in order to, I think, perform them really the why why were you reading children's books to your mother if you don't mind my asking um it's a good question i think well you know um there are things that we've shared since i was a kid obviously there's something very reassuring about it about a, a familiar children's book and um they're often like i think the length worked well for the circumstance and also the like um hopeful maybe aspect of children's books um you know it wasn't time to kind of dive into a a long uh, harrowing story in a novel or you know yeah there's something very like beautiful and self-contained in the length and most stories of children books I think that, that you can get it done in a sitting kind of thing. Yeah. Right. The natural world plays a, a big part, uh, both in like song titles and in, in some of the material. I, I know that you, you know, written music before around, you know, climate emergency and, and things like that. Is is that just central to who you are as a person and then thus as a songwriter, or are you conscious of like writing songs about the natural world? Hmm. It is definitely part of um, what I think about a lot um, outside of songwriting. Um, and yeah, my my partner works in environmental justice. And yeah, it's I think, you know, living in our day and age, it, it's, it's very real, tangible and terrifying thing. <laughs> um, all the seasons are kind of affected at this point. And um, yeah, obviously... Um, the idea of a future is complicated and I think it's an inspiring, but yeah, very scary thing. The album begins and, and ends with kind of like a similar mo motif, uh, you know, like sonically, was that an intentional thing? Like, had you thought about kind of like the beginning and the end and the, and the like the flow of this album? Like, did you have a sense of like which song went where? Ahead yeah, of time? I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was a very conscious decision. Um, I did want to kind of have an instrumental as a first song, um, maybe a bit of an antechamber into the album. And um, it felt uh, very natural for it to be the kind of theme from Strawberry Moon, which I knew would be the last song too. I didn't want to end on a, you know, a more hopeful um maybe warm note um not that the other songs are aren't particularly warm but there is a lot of uh there's a lot of hope in strawberry moon so it felt like a good place to leave off is that because you you were talking about kind of like the the stages of grief that acceptance is the final one like that there's there's some hope at the end of that thing yeah and that there's some looking forward and there's some acceptance of all the uh hardship and mystery that surround grief yeah and that new things uh you know happen as long as you're alive 
this is true. Um, before I let you go, Helena, I want to get you to pick a track off of the record that we can play for listeners. And if you have a reason why you're picking it or an anecdote behind it, we'd love to hear that. Great. Let's see. Well, um, I think I was just, I've been, yeah. I, I, the Animals is a song that um, is kind of influenced by um, songs that my dad would sing with his siblings at family gatherings um, from the kind of French repertoire and it has a bit of a sing-song quality and so maybe that kind of fits in with our discussion about children's books and um, but yeah I those lyrics are about um, feeling insecure in a romantic relationship and it did feel very uh, kind of there was a lot of relief in writing that song well, we'll give that one a listen. Uh, folks can catch you along with Fontaine as part of Winterruption on the 23rd of January at uh, the Goodwill Social Club. Uh, Helena, thanks very much for taking some time and, and safe travels on the road and looking forward to seeing you here in Winnipeg. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Dark
are an integral part of our society. These furry friends offer comfort and companionship, and they don't judge us. Dogs and cats are for everyone. Just ask the people on the streets of Winnipeg. They'll tell you what a loving pet is all about. I'm Kathleen Martins, and this is Our Relatives. 
Um, you and I can have a smoke on you? I was just doing it to uh, my cat, uh, letting him use the litter box. You have a cat? Yes. Wow, can we, can we see? Of course. Elena and Leo were living behind the Millennium Library in downtown Winnipeg last fall. When they say a street outreach group sicked police on them, they had been evicted from where they were staying and had a pet cat. His name is Duma. Duma? Yeah. Duma? I believe it translates to Greek for speed. Hey, darling. There was actually a movie uh, called Duma. It was a father and son team, uh, or they had found a baby cheetah cub. And oh, look, she's licking movie. me. She's a very friendly girl. Sorry, boy. go ahead. Boy? Okay. Yes, boy. There's a scene in the movie that they're seeing how fast the animal can actually run. Uh-huh. And it actually outruns a motorcycle with a sidecar with the father and son on board. And wow. it just goes... Wow. And they were at about 70, 80 miles an hour. You think he could do that? I don't think so, but I know he's uh, quite fast. <laughs> it was a hot day, and the couple's belongings were spread out on the concrete, including a big bag of dry cat food and a litter box with Duma resting inside his kennel. We were originally over on the far corner, closer to the fountain, because it was close to a plug-in spot so she could charge her phone. So she's already sleeping at one point, and I'm about to lay down, and two guys walk up. And uh, the one guy says, get a job, or if I see you again, I'll straight up rob you. The threat scared them and reminded them how vulnerable they were, even as two people and an animal. So they moved up against the back of the library where it's mostly windows, and people inside can see them. So how many days have you been capped here? Um, here at the library? About a week. And where were you before that? Uh, up at Holy Trinity Church, so literally just a half a block north from here. I figured here was probably a better spot because there's a camera right there and uh, it's more secluded, less foot traffic that actually come over here. Their yellow extension cords stretched to the fountain where there was an outlet for a seasonal lighting display. They had a great view of the Winnipeg Police Service headquarters. Where you're from, man? How long has this been home? Uh, I'm from Kenora originally. I, I feed the homeless downtown. Gerald McIver, an Ojibwe man living in Winnipeg, makes regular patrols downtown to check on people experiencing homelessness. He delivers homemade food and bottles of water. Give me an extra large double-double coffee. Today, he bought the couple a meal at a nearby Tim Hortons. And then a ham and cheddar sandwich. And then, do you have the potato bisque? I've been the homeless for about four years now. and uh, But uh, one thing I find is, you know, most of the homeless are not dangerous at all. Everybody's in their own little world, too busy trying to survive. It's other people that come from other parts of the city. 
and you know they'll pick on the vulnerable and that's a sad thing and I see that so many times you know when you see the crimes happening downtown you know like it's it's people from other parts of the city that come down here and do it you know like and it's unfortunate that media won't pick it up and police know the problem but they can only do so much too. Kenora, where Leo is from, is about two hours east of Winnipeg, just over the border in Ontario. He says stress and violence is part of living on the street. Honestly, the resources here in Winnipeg aren't really the greatest for helping homeless people. They do, they do what they can, and don't get me wrong, I'm appreciative of that. But there's not enough awareness for uh, the homeless population in Winnipeg. It's like the violence, the crimes. For example, uh, there's been uh, two fights here while I was here. Even had to help break one up. And uh, we had to go somewhere else for about two days. And in that two days, there was also a stabbing here. So it can be a violent area, safety in numbers gives you a better chance. Winnipeg police say they don't keep track of whether victims of crime are homeless or not. Elena says Duma quickly became a comfort they didn't know they needed. Both of us look out for him as best we can. So He just turned a year about three weeks ago. So we've had him since he was four weeks old. Uh, we found him under a dumpster, poor little thing. Um, we basically tried to not attach ourselves to him, but I'm an animal lover, so I can't help it. But I kept telling him, I'm like, no naming him, no getting attached, no nothing. Um, and then the next morning, I see him snuggling him, and he's like, he's ours. And I'm like, well, can we afford the cat? And he's like, I don't care. <laughs> so we've been making it work as best we can. They admit the cat slowed them down. We've tried to go other places aside from here, and we try to take a cab, for example, and we put all of our stuff in the cab. The minute he sees the cat, he's like, oh, get the cat out of here. And it's like, well, he's not coming out. He's in the kennel. And they go, I don't care. My car, no cat. So then we've been, you know, we've been stuck here. And What about, um, could you go to a shelter? Is that an option? Do not accept pets either. We've called Main Street, we've called Salome, and we've also called uh, Salvation Army. All of them... Israeli. Yeah, and Israeli. All of them have said to us that they would take us, but they can't take the cat. And the one thing I didn't appreciate was I was on the phone with Main Street for about an hour while they were trying to find us somewhere to go. And by the end of the phone call, they basically said, you'd be better off surrendering your animal. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, but our animal's family, you know? And I told them on the phone, I was like, I would die before I got rid of my cat. And they said, uh, and this is the part that I really didn't appreciate. The person I spoke to said, well, that might happen to you then. He said most shelters, if well, really all of them, they don't allow animals. So, we, long story short, we would have to get rid of our cat, and we're not getting rid of him. He's he's staying by our side. But he's gone. He's gone to one vet appointment since we've had him, and they've said that like even though we're in this situation, he's 100% healthy. That jives with the results of an Ontario study in 2021, where researchers analyzed more than 1,100 pet medical records 
to find whether if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of a pet, was true. They found the health of pets owned by people experiencing homelessness was as good as other animals. So, like, we're doing the best we can, and that's what we tell people who've reported us, because we've had people report us uh, and ask the police to come check on them. So we've had police, you know, bother us, and... Yeah, because people see us with a cat, and they report the cat, not us. It's something that still upsets them. You can see it on their faces. A volunteer group that stopped by one evening with food and clothing called the police. And she looked like she was on the phone, and she kept pointing to us. So at one point, I kind of went like this to her, like, what are you doing? Next thing you know, five minutes later, cops show up. And they come right up to the cat, and they go, how's your cat doing? And we're like, cat's fine, we're taking care of him. And then they go, are you? Because cats shouldn't be outside. And I'm like, we're taking care of him better than we do sometimes. And the cops were like, well, have you ever thought of surrendering him, giving him a new home? And I'm like, no, that's not an option. And the cops go, well, then are you giving him the best life you can or what? Elena says she took Duma out of the kettle to give officers a good look at the main coon cat. She even told them his weight. And then we said, like, you know, do you want to know about us? And they just said, nope, have a good day. And they walked away. Pets seem to be the heart of everybody around here, but when it comes to humans, it's basically the giant middle finger. An estimated one in four homeless people have pets, usually dogs. That's according to another Ontario study, where researchers found homeless owners tend to put their pets' needs above their own. Like William Jewett, who was sporting a white bandage on his right hand outside Siloam Mission Homeless Shelter in Winnipeg, while his seven-year-old dog Tika rested at his feet. Well, I had a guy threaten me, me and my dog, so I kind of took care of it, but I took care of my hand at the same time. Like around here, like lots of violence, like inside all the time and stuff. So, you know, when a person just kind of has enough at some point, like. William says Siloam barred him from being inside the shelter for two weeks as punishment for the fight. For me, I just see whatever. I reacted to something and I, and it, you know, like I said, took care of it myself and protected my dog and myself, and, but I'm the one that's paying the consequences for, for my actions, right? So. William is from Shoal Lake First Nation, an Ojibwe community in Ontario, not far from Kenora. It's where Winnipeg has been getting its drinking water for the past 100 years. The arrangement prevents community members from using Shoal Lake for their own drinking water, boating, or fishing. So when their treatment plant failed, they were forced to rely on bottled water for 30 years. Uh, she's a part pit bull and part Rottweiler. So I've had her, I had her since she was two weeks old. Got her in, like, as, as uh, when, I, when I lost my job there, because I, I drive tow truck. So I ended up with post-traumatic stress and a lot of anxiety from all the stuff that I've seen. Just got her trained, and so she just reacts to, like, my, like when I start kind of losing it, she just, you know, she, she'll start licking me all over to, you know, let me know, hey, you know, like, calm down, like, I'm here, and you're okay. We've been homeless before, like, I, but I, so, like, what happened for me, like, when I, when I lost, like, my job because I got hurt and I was waiting for everything to kick in and then I was getting behind in my rant, so I, 
couldn't catch up and then I just eventually I got evicted but here we are. <laughs> but it's not always a laughing matter. Here, so like in, in shelters and stuff, like it's uh she she'll start to shake a lot because a lot of these people that are really unpredictable, they they scare her. Like she'll she like I you know, I get scared sometimes, I'm human. But like her, she'll she'll actually get scared and start cowering because she, you know, these people are just, you know, out there. Whatever their reason is, that's none of my business. But it's just, you know, um, she just kind of cowers and gets really scared easy too. Studies indicate a large portion of the homeless community has mental health issues. Having a companion animal can help. William says he has no problem taking Tika into homeless shelters in town when she's wearing her service dog vest and he's not barred. Um, yeah, most of them, like, they have to because she's a service dog. And as long as she has her card and if I get into a fight and she sees me get into a fight, she reacts two ways. And people, people think it's, when people see that, they think she's coming after me, but she's not. Meanwhile, the Main Street Project Homeless Shelter says it can't accept pets like a cat. But a spokeswoman says it does refer people to the Winnipeg Humane Society, which will board animals for free for up to two weeks. Even out here, it, you know, people yell and scream, and, and I'll, I'll get up and I'll be like, hey, don't be yelling and screaming like that, like you're scaring my dog. And, you know, if... So I, I'm very... It's, it's, she's my kid. You know, I don't have my daughter anymore. My daughter passed away last November, so, you know, she, my dog is my kid, right? And so I, I'm very, very protective of her when she gets scared, yeah. On the next episode of Our Relatives, Winnipeg's homeless community has its own version of Remembrance Day. It takes place every fall with a sacred fire and people taking turns at the mic to mourn those who died. One of my good friends, Kathy Moose, passed away. She was always in my room helping me. She was a good person. I miss her. I hope I'll be with her someday when it's time for me to go to heaven. I'm Kathleen Martins. Goodbye for now. Our Relatives, written and reported by Kathleen Martins. Recorded and edited by Jesse Andrushko. Produced by Mark Blackburn. Original theme music by Backyard Rink. Cover art by Shania Murdoch and Alicia Dawn. Hello, I'm Rick Harp, host of APTN News Brief, a daily podcast version of the nightly broadcast of APTN National News. Available on all major podcast platforms, APTN News Brief is your quick way to hear the headlines every weekday morning. Learn more at aptnnews.ca slash podcasts.
Back here on Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio, we just heard Holocene, new song from local artist Harper K. Smith. They're set to release their EP on February 9th at a special show brought to you by Arts Accessibility Network Manitoba at The Output, which is the 218 on 100 Arthur Street in the Arts Space Building. Uh, features Anaxis in support. Um, for more information, go to aanm.ca. It's a free show. Uh, so put that one on your calendar. Uh, we're going to change it up a little bit sonically. This is a new act out of Victoria, B.C. that I discovered this week called Small Pleasures. A uh, little bit of synthy post-punk and uh, really a lot, a lot of music. Big sound for a duo. I love duos that kind of sound bigger than they are. Uh, this is Exit here on 101.5 UMFM.
One year of quarantine has got me mellowed out. No, I can't even feel a strong emotion drop. I used to be on stages hyping up the crowd. Now every day at home I blow my speakers out. I just wanna feel strong emotions. I don't wanna be bored anymore. I just wanna feel the strong emotions. I don't wanna feel bored anymore. Awesome. 
Back here on Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio, we just heard Eliza McClam with Modern Woman off of her forthcoming record, Going Through It. That's my favorite track off of the record coming out on Royal Mountain. McClam, one half of the Binchtopia podcast. Before that, Fencing with a new single they sent over this week called Dresses. Exciting to hear some new music from them. Uh, Coming up right away after 8 Radio, we're going to kind of move towards their end of the sonic spectrum with some dance and stuff. Uh, We've got Landell, uh, kind of an R&B hip-hop artist out of the UK as part of the Future Bubblers series, Brownswood's kind of up-and-coming incubation series. A really great track called Too Many. We've got something from Misha Panaflov off of the Originals Volume 3 a uh, super great comp out of the UK. We got the Syndicate Ninjioma and uh, some Alice Russell remixed by Wheel Up. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM. Yo, what do we come here for? Yeah, thank you for the help and order. Things I wanna do this summer. I swear the devil tryna stop me, but you know that you can't suck up. I got too many books, try keep what you need, too many foots. And I've been tryna work on caring less, I don't care unless I give too many Hey, yeah. I wanna welcome you to my world. Some fucking lost world. Overthinking world. But you know it's gonna all work on and Yeah, yeah I'm trying to think of fresh ways of thinking about the same Mundane living stimulate the brain I think I need a break Let's have a no phone life, a no phone week, a no phone day Make pasta and just talk about the pasta we made Opposite quick speed, 26, living like a sweet 16 I thought I'd never see a version of me this week, I'm pissed, G It's like a real life murder mystery I'm done with eating all these sugary biscuits Late night eating, homie, tell me where the fridge is I ain't kidding, it's been a minute since I nibbled on the missus Crumbly, soft, cocoa butter kisses But we had to take a break, I got a little too addicted I guess we mixed the pleasure with the business I took you off the wish list Here we go, But Oliver, you know that everybody got to eat If you close your eyes with me, I can take you to the beach You a freak, I'm a freak Play it to your tempo, then you made a beat I know you like that I'll show you what you want, let's get sidetracked Do it with me, I'ma do you right back And it's not even a big deal Just tell yourself that it's just a little nightcap Don't do too much Tell me what you want I'ma keep you in the dark Till the penny drops Stay inside your brain Till you turn me off And we can keep it between me and you Cause I ain't gonna tell no one
the end of the tunnel, tunnel light at the end. No, no, light at the end of the tunnel, light at the yeah. Uh.
Yes, I'm 